Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode eight of State of the Nation. David, nice shirt you got on today, my friend. Hey, likewise. Lots of colors in there. Yeah, you know what? We're going to talk about these shirts in just a minute. We're going to talk about the announcements in just a minute as David gives you a tour of what's going on. Let me give you, if this is your first uh, State of the Nation, here's what we do. We talk about what's going on in the bankless nation. We relate it to the big picture stuff. And we always like to drop some insights and action items. This episode, these episodes release every Tuesday on YouTube. So make sure you subscribe to YouTube to catch them. And they release on Wednesday on the Bankless podcast. Um, so you can check it out there too if audio is more your thing. We're going to get into announcements in a little bit. But David, we should talk about our sponsors first. Uh, we've got we've got a new one. Why don't you start with uh, with our new sponsor? We're super excited about. Yeah, yeah. This sponsor is absolutely fantastic. Gods Unchained. Uh, for those that are into like alternative, like instead of like investing in tokens and all this crazy DeFi stuff, there's also this other world going on where like digital scarcity and digital tokens can be leveraged for like a really awesome purpose. And so for those people that have played like Hearthstone or Magic: The Gathering, this is that same concept, that same type of game but layered onto like Ethereum and using the Ethereum backend to manage your cards. And so the cards in Gods Unchained are tokens, like all the other tokens on Ethereum, except they represent cards in the Gods Unchained game. And so it's absolutely fantastic. I've put in like 50, 100 hours into Gods Unchained and they keep on iterating and making the, the thing like even sexier, even smoother. The graphics of that game are absolutely fantastic. But it, what I love about it is that like with my cards in my Ethereum wallet, my little tokens, I'm playing against somebody else's tokens on Ethereum through the Gods Unchained game. Uh, and so what's, what's pretty cool about uh, Gods Unchained is that you have provable scarcity of your cards, right? So when you open up a legendary card, you give like you have assurances on the, on the blockchain that there's not only going to be an, like any more than like 200 of these cards, right? And like, that's not true for, for Blizzard's Hearthstone. And that's not true for Magic the Gathering. They can print them endlessly. But with Gods Unchained, you have assurances to how scarce your cards are. So if you are into a trading card game and you want to have that experience on Ethereum, check out Gods Unchained. Download the game. You, you, can st you don't have to buy cards to get started. Uh, you, start, you get started off with like the basic starter pack and then you win games and then you get more cards. And it's fantastic. So check them out at Gods Unchained. Yep, godsunchain.com. We will include a link in the show notes. Also, longtime sponsor, friend of Bankless, Ave. I want to tell you about Ave a little bit. They are climbing up the leaderboard. I, I looked the other day and they were at something like uh, number three in terms of total value locked in DeFi. So they are a really interesting lending and borrowing protocol. So you can deposit DAI into the protocol. You can deposit other tokens into the product protocol and start receiving interest on those tokens. You can also take out loans. Uh, they, have ver they have fixed loans, fixed rate loans, in addition to variable loans. And fixed rate loans are pretty unique in DeFi. They're also like fast movers. So they're rolling out a ton of cool things. Um, they're rolling out a credit type system pretty soon. And they've just released Avonomics, which is just wild. So this is their liquidity and token incentive model. And one of the things they're adding with, with Avonomics is this, this safety feature. So a portion of uh, funds and ETH is actually going to uh, secure the contracts and provide sort of an insurance for holders in the event of catastrophe. So check out Avonomics, check out Aave, uh, start using it. Try it out at Aave.com. That's A-A-V-E.com. David, 
let's get to announcements real quick. So we had Eric Voorhees on the podcast. Episode, episode came out. So yeah, good. it was so good. Guys, just go check out that episode. Um, fantastic. And then tomorrow, we actually have a first. I think this is not just a first for Bankless, mm-hmm. um, but this is like a first for crypto, maybe for yeah. podcasting in general. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's happening tomorrow, David? Yeah, tomorrow we're getting Andre, creator of the Yearn and Yiffy protocol on the Bankless podcast. And, and why this is so crazy and, and so unique is not only exactly why Yearn and Yiffy are so unique in the sense that they launched in like the most fair and equitable way possible, but that Andre, the creator of this project, who didn't pre-mine any of the Yiffy tokens, which have, has done the first like, you know, 10,000 X out of any token ever. He didn't pre-mine any for himself. And he's letting the tokens, the token owners govern whether he goes on to a podcast or not. And so as he made this announcement, he, like, he, he tweeted out, like, I've gotten a lot of requests for people for, to come on people's podcasts. And I'm only going to do it if the token holders say so. And so when I heard, when I saw that tweet, I immediately rushed to the Yearn Finance Governance page and submitted a proposal for, uh, for Andre to come on the Bankless podcast, which passed in like flying colors, like 95% voted yes. And then <laughs> Andre messages me <laughs> and says, uh, so I'm told I'm enslaved to you. So let me know when and where to show up for, for the interview. And so that time was tomorrow, is tomorrow in the morning. And so we're recording with Andre, creator of the Yearn Protocol tomorrow morning which is well i wonder i wonder if he even wants to like it's like he doesn't have a choice this <laughs> it doesn't matter first, it, it doesn't, doesn't matter. matter he by coin vote he has to show up for the interview tomorrow yeah. right um it's pretty uh it, it's pretty funny how that works and i i do think this is the first like interview podcast episode by coin vote so true. we'll see so. how that goes uh, mm-hmm. we've got a lot of interesting questions for him also releasing tactics on bankless so there's a dydx um, tactic that you'll find that was released this morning. Check that out. It's uh, about an ETH perpetuity. Uh, that's going to be pretty fun, I think, in this upcoming bull market that we've been talking about so much. Last thing I'll say is, um, do you know what August 27th is, David? I don't know. Tell me, Ryan. All right. So August 27th is when Bankless first started. So Bankless turns one year old um, as a, as kind of a newsletter and kind of the Genesis. And, um, you know, I, I'm hopeful we can share some stats that day. But one of the things, you know, when I started the newsletter with Bankless is I wanted to, by the first birthday, get to 10,000 subscribers, 10,000 people on the Bankless journey as part of the extended Bankless nation. So we're getting close, but, um, you know, maybe we'll reveal some stats on that pretty soon. So uh, tell your friends about Bankless. Let's see if we can hit those numbers and celebrate Bankless's birthday. David, got to ask you the question I ask every single episode. You've been right on for the past, for the past seven episodes. It's been, it's been scary accurate, actually. So what is the state of the nation today, David Hoffman? The state of the nation is pumped. Okay. We are pumped uh, in so many different ways. Ether price has pumped. It has just blown past expectations. People are pumped for that. Uh, the Ethereum phase zero, uh, right before that we're recording this, uh, the testnet just went live. So people are absolutely pumped for that. I'm pumped about these shirts, which we're about to talk about after this. There's just a lot of pumping going on. People are stoked. Prices are pumping. Pumping's all around us. It's a fantastic time. Wait, wait, wait. Pumping is a bad thing though sometimes. Like, are you saying like pump as in a good thing in this context? Yes. Yeah. Pump, pumped as in like prices are going up and we're all stoked about it. 
Uh, yeah, so sometimes pumping could be viewed badly, but not this time. Yeah, this so time. it feels like to me, it's like we've been talking about this for a long time. Honestly, we've been talking about this not just for months, we've been talking about this for years, that at some point, the market would actually catch up with what's going on in Ethereum and what's going on with DeFi. And a huge portion of this just feels like the market catching up. Like, it's 2016. We haven't even seen 2017 yet. Still, the people coming into Bankless, the people watching this today, are mostly people that already know about crypto. We've got a whole new fresh crop of immigrants into the Bankless nation to start onboarding. They haven't even shown up yet. So I do feel like this is just a lot of catch up to all of the things we've been talking about over the past months and years. Yeah, totally. So I've been getting text messages from, from friends like who are getting back into DeFi, back into Ethereum, but they were there with me back in like 2017, 2018. These are the friends that I made back in that cycle who like kind of went on and did their own thing, yeah. but it's easy for them to come back, right? And they know yeah. who to talk to. Like we're still waiting for that wave of like people that have never touched anything before. That hasn't, that hasn't happened yet. But like, as you were saying, there is no ever any fair value for Ether, for, for Bitcoin. No one knows what these things should be. And over time, I think it's fair to claim that like the price of these things on the secondary market oscillate around what they should be. Like 2017, Bitcoin and Ether were priced way too much. 2018 and 2019, they were priced way too low. And now it seems like we're kind of coming back to that mean, to that average. Yeah. And like the theory is like all, all previous bull markets, like you pass that average where you think it's about fair value, but then you just keep on going. Yeah. And that's what like a bull market mania is. Guys, we said this before. These are fractals. Mm -hmm. We're like, people are like, oh, there'll be nothing like 2017 again. Like that was a one time. No, it's not a one time. I mean, it happened in multiple cycles with Bitcoin. It'll happen again. Things will get overextended too. Um, but right now we're not there. We're just approaching probably more lines along the lines of what the value should be. It's just a, a bit of catch up over the last two years of everything that's Absolutely. happened. Absolutely. David, first topic, man. Yeah. I know you are burning to talk about this. <laughs> the shirts, what's going on? What are yeah. these things? What are we yeah. wearing today? These shirts have been an idea of mine that I've always wanted to pull off in a while. So I made this graphic forever ago. Uh, not this exact one. I kind of tweaked the size of the Ethereum logo, but it's it debuted. This graphic debuted in my article, Ether the Money Game, uh, Ethereum the Money Game Landscape, where I talked about like all these applications on Ethereum are little games. Like Uniswap is a game, Compound is a game, and largely it's a game about stacking Ether. Right? Like at the end of the day, Ethereum is a landscape for humans to compete with other humans, as well as computers to compete with other computers, as well as humans and computers to compete amongst themselves for ether right and so ethereum is like this money game landscape where ethereum ether the asset are the points and so this is that we have like a little outrun style like graphic uh with like it's a landscape right it's like a grid and there are mountain ranges peaks and valleys and then there's the ether logo in the background and so it's all about the ethereum as a physical landscape of competition for ether the points and that's what is resembled in this fantastic shirt and Dude, I, I just want to, I, I want to take a minute just to admire the shirt, the craftsmanship of the shirt. Like these things are like, like the fit is awesome. So I got mine on Thursday, David, and I opened up the package, right? And uh, you know, you'd, you'd hyped it up. You said, look, this is a good shirt, but like you didn't tell me too much. I opened it, I put it on. It just felt like it felt perfect. Like the fit is exceptional. What, like what material is this? It's, uh, it's, I have no idea. I have no idea. <laughs> it's just like, it's not, it's obviously it's not cotton, right? Like this is a, this is a super high quality shirt. Where did you first see these types of shirts? 
Yeah, so the, the first uh, time I saw these types of shirts where I got this idea came out of the East Denver Conference where they have very similarly graphicked, uh, graphicked up shirts, right? And so I found out who the manufacturer was. I reached out to them, got the details. Uh, then I, they handed over them the graphic and then the, that was, it, you know, it all fell out of that. And so we, we got um, 50 of these shirts produced. So there's only 50 of them. And two of them are already taken because me and Ryan got ours. Um, we pre-mined. <laughs> we, pre-mined we pre-mined two shirts. Uh, so now there's only 48 left. And, and this is where we get into the concept of bankless seasons, bankless apparel seasons. Ooh, okay. Uh, All yeah. right. What is so this? this is, and this is season zero. This shirt is season zero. And so bankless apparel seasons is a, like a regular occurring uh, release of some really cool piece of clothing, right? This, this shirt being the first one. And so this is going to be a reoccurring campaign because what, I, what frustrates me is that in the crypto world, there's, there's not really cool swag. Like we, no, don't, we, we, we have these fantastic futuristic sci-fi crypto economic like protocols and we don't have any good way to like wear them. Like, yeah. like people want to have like wear a totem. They want to show their colors. They want to express themselves and their interests. And like I just went on like a five minute tangent about like the metaphor behind this shirt. And I think that the bankless apparel seasons is like a vehicle for expressing these really complex things like in a shirt that you can wear and people can ask you about it and say, Hey, what's that shirt? And like, Oh, let me tell you about it. You shouldn't have asked that question. Cause now I have 20 <laughs> minutes of things to talk about. Uh, and so, Oh, they're going to, they're definitely going to ask you about this shirt. They're definitely going to ask. Like, yeah, yeah, you can't go outside without being asked about no, this, this shirt this is specifically. A statement, this is it's a statement. statement. It's super unique. Like, the design is awesome. Um, it's definitely, like, but, and you can basically wear your colors, is what you're talking about. Wear yep. your culture. Everything mm-hmm. you talk about in Ethereum mm-hmm. and Bankless, mm-hmm. you ability to, like, take that outside of your house, yep. if we ever get outside of our houses again. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the way that this is going to work is this is a sale. And so yep. we're posting this video up on YouTube later today. Uh, we also have a release going out on the Bankless newsletter. And once all those things are going to go out at once. And then one hour after that, after all these things get released at, at once, we are supplying all remaining 48 BAP tokens, BAP, Bankless Apparel. So BAP zero for season zero. We are going to supply all remaining 48 BAP tokens to the Uniswap exchange. The links will be in the show notes for this video, also for the newsletter. Uh, and then you can go to Uniswap and purchase a token. And All then, right, so we should get into this a little bit. I'm going to share my screen as you're talking, but keep talking. Yeah, so you purchase a token off, off Uniswap, and then you burn it. You can burn it by sending it to the Genesis address of Ethereum. That's 0x00000, or you can also, some wallets don't let you do that, so you can just change the last zero for a one, and that counts. Um, but once you burn a token, that is you redeeming a token for a shirt, right? These are redeemable tokens. This is how you get one of the shirts. Um, and again, there's only 48 left because Ryan and I already have two. Um, and so you, you purchase a token, burn it, you email that transaction hash to apparel at banklesshq.com. And then we will coordinate with you about how to deliver your shirt wherever you are in the world. Uh, and so this, this is how we're distributing the BAP tokens. Uh, so they're, again, they're on Uniswap and this is, this is like the redeemable token scarcity mindset. We're, we're really into this idea of scarce apparel. And we're using the tools of Ethereum to enable like this scarce apparel project. So back to scarce apparel really quick. Uh, we ran a couple of bankless posts on this. Um, Jacob from Zora wrote a post about uh, redemption tokens, redeemable tokens. We'll include in the show notes to give you some context. Um, and there have been these sort of scarce product releases um, a few times 
within, within Ethereum that have caught some headlines, most notably our friend, RAC, right? So he did a, um, he's a friend of the nation. He's actually in the nation. So he is a bankless member now. Um, here, here he is repping the bankless uh, swag, repping the bankless shirt. And he released a uh, token called Tape, right? And this was a, um, a token specific to a new album that he dropped. Um, and it did really well. I think it was really successful. Um, but basically, he, he dropped the token, issued it on Uniswap. Um, and you can read this post for, for kind of uh, what happened next and the details. But it's, it's really similar to, to that idea, right? So you release a scarce uh, token um, that represents some sort of real world item. And then uh, people can purchase it on Uniswap. They can purchase it with ETH. Uh, and then once they have the token, they have the ability to redeem that for the item itself. Yeah, I really think that these scarcity tools on Ethereum, like ERC-20, and then also the infrastructure like Uniswap, Balancer, et cetera, that, that go in also into the ecosystem are really going to enable artists to do cooler things, right? And so RAC was able to kind of produce value for... <laughs> produce value for his his fan base his clientele using ethereum and using non-fungible tokens and i think that like in, in the future of bankless apparel seasons includes like the ability for future artists to contribute designs and they yes. will be rewarded with percentage of the tokens so like I, I i'm not a designer i have basic photoshop skills this this is actually a relatively easy graphic to make uh some designer who knows photoshop better than me or however you make these graphics can produce even cooler even better designs and then we are going to let the bankless nation decide on which design will be in the next season and then the winning artist who has their designs cho chosen will receive a percentage of the token. So it's a way for artists to like monetize, to receive value from their value that they produce. And they don't have to, like in the, in the case of RIC, they don't have to get right, ripped off by a record label. Or in the case of Bankless Seasons, like all of this stuff is managed for you. Um, I, I think it's a really interesting way to return value back to artists it, with scarcity tools on Ethereum. Yeah, absolutely. And spread the culture, right? That's what this is all about. I mean, we've we talked so much about bankless and crypto being a cultural movement. Um, a lot of people have seen it as a technology in the past. Um, I mean, it's a social technology. This is a cultural movement. This is about um, like representing what you're doing and the journey that you're on. And if nothing else comes out of this whole experiment that we're doing, David, we've got this picture which is just, let me say, it's amazing, sir. <laughs> is that you in front of the, uh, the Seattle skyline that's, there? Yeah, that's a Seattle skyline. That's a couple blocks away from my house. The, I, I was thinking about perhaps a different word for the state of the nation was proud because we're proud of all how far <laughs> we've come. And I think that picture uh, represents that. So when you wear your bankless season apparel, when you wear your BAPS Euro, you should be proud because we're all here together. We've built something incredible and we're taking it to the market. All right, we're here to stack BAPs is, is kind of what you're saying, right, David? Yeah, we're here to stack BAPs. All right, so this is the post. I'm actually scrolling through the post that's going to be sent out. Um, this is the, you know, you'll receive this post by the time we publish uh, the video. And this includes some more details about the BAP zero sale. So again, all of these things are redeemable tokens, so they represent these shirts. Um, and here's some details about the supply. Maybe, David, you should say just something about um, how we're doing the liquidity because... So we're putting 48 of these things in, right? Mm -hmm. But um, with, with those kinds of low numbers, mm -hmm. Uniswap has a pretty steep curve where it like it, by the way, these, these shirts start out like 
expensive, right? This is, yeah. this is scarce apparel. Mm-hmm. This is not regular bankless merch. We'll be they, launching. they cost money to produce in the first place. Yes, they cost money to produce. This is not regular bankless merch. We'll have a separate merch store for non-scarce apparel with, with bankless stuff. I know a bunch of people have asked about our bankless tees that we typically wear in these. We'll have a separate store for that. But what happens when you, de- when you deposit things into Uniswap in small quantities is the curve gets pretty steep. Mm-hmm. So it gets more and more expensive as more of these BAP0 tokens are um, taken out of the market. So mm-hmm. what are we doing to kind of dampen that liquidity? Can you talk about the, uh, the yeah, phases? Totally. Yeah, so the first thing that we're doing is we're supplying all tokens to the Uniswap market. So we're, we're giving the entire supply to the, to the market. So uh, with some, like, some DeFi tokens or ICO tokens, like they only give out 10% to the market and then they have the remaining 90% like non-circulating. No, they're 100% circulating, 100% in the market, which is one way to like soften that curve, that incline of price go up when somebody buys a token but then we're also committing to selling all of our available baps uh, at a certain level right so when 50 percent of the baps are purchased roughly 50 percent 23 out of the 48 leaving 25 when 23 are sold they will be roughly selling for five eth uh, a bap and what we're doing at that point is we are going to withdraw liquidity from uniswap in order to sell bap tokens back into uniswap to keep that price suppressed until we have no more like so so david and ryan are going to do our best to like keep that price at five eth per bap or lower until we have no more in our hands anyway we have no more to sell and then at at that point bankless won't be making any more money and all the tokens will be in the ecosystem and we will have exited and all tokens will be available for either redemption or selling back into uniswap so we're getting we're getting out of baps early as, as early as possible at what we think is a fair rate so that the, the remaining BAPs on the market can price themselves. Yep. And we're not trading these things. Yeah. Um, and the tokens, so the tokens that uh, we have, the two shirts that we have, we actually, we've, we went through the process, right? So we took those two tokens. Mm-hmm. What, um, here's, the, uh, here's the address. May, may I, like you can see all this stuff, obviously, on chain. Um, here's the the BAP token that I have in a, in a bankless test address here that I received. Mm-hmm. And this is me sending it to that ETH address to burn it. So it's burnt. It's, it's gone. gone with it's fire. Gone. It's gone. 48 left. 48, just 48, 48 left. left. So, and yours is gone too. I'm so gone. it's just 48. And, um, you know, we're just supplying the liquidity. We're not going to be trading these things. Mm-mm. We have redeemed them. Now, what's super interesting is like, um, people don't have to redeem these things, right? right? Yeah. So they can buy them on Uniswap and like at that point, it's kind of theirs to do with what they yeah, will. They, ca- they have an option to redeem it, mm-hmm. um, in which case we, we talked about how they do that, but they don't necessarily have to redeem it, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I have no idea how that's going to play out. Neither do I. Neither do I. That's why markets are fun, right? Mm-hmm. So that, this is a, yeah, this is a fun experience. That's why we're calling it uh, season zero, not season one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, the, you know, another thing though is um, when Jacob wrote that redeemable tokens post, he talked about the um, utility of these tokens potentially in virtual worlds, mm-hmm. right? So, um, for instance, I, I don't know, how, how much time have you spent in like a crypto voxels? Very or little. Or, yeah. Very little. So I haven't spent a ton of time either, but like, like we're both gamers, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so like we know the potential of those types of virtual worlds. 
And what I think is really interesting is with NFTs, you have the ability essentially to represent a digitally scarce good. Of course, you can redeem it for a physically scarce good, the ETHscape T itself. But um, you can also like rep the shirt in crypto voxels or mm-hmm. in Decentraland. And I feel very much like these virtual worlds are um, just a shadow of what they will become. Um, it's very possible in the future that like the most value that comes from these sorts of scarce tokens, not, not these, but like maybe these, but other sorts of scarce tokens will actually come in virtual worlds, in-game experiences where you're doing it for the same reason you're, you're doing it in the physical world, right? You're, uh, it's a, it's kind of repping your colors. It's, you know, you, you mentioned the word, you know, proud, right? It's something mm-hmm. that you've earned and that you've, you've purchased uh, and that you want to showcase to the world. It's kind of a, a human, um, it's in human nature to, mm-hmm like put on these sorts of displays and, mm-hmm. and these sorts of social signals. So I think it could be really interesting in virtual worlds as well as that expands. Yeah, totally. The, the virtual world side of Ethereum is very much kind of like the L2 world where there's a lot of them and there needs to be some sort of like settling or some sort of convergence upon like which virtual world is going to be the thing that everyone onboards into. Maybe it's not even the ones that we currently have available to us. I wouldn't even say that the virtual worlds on Ethereum are even closely to the uh, point that like L2s are. Yeah. Uh, but that doesn't actually, so that, for what, it, what this means, it doesn't actually matter because if you redeem a BAP token, the, the vision of these, this system is to create a virtual version of these shirts in the virtual world that emerges, right? And so we're gonna have to do this after the fact, but that's kind of where our heads are at. Like if you redeem a token, you get the actual shirt in real life, and then you get the virtual shirt for whatever virtual world comes to Ethereum. And so if that world does ever indeed come, we will be issuing virtual versions of these shirts in the virtual world that comes. Absolutely. So you sort of get the best of both. Now, mm-hmm. um, maybe the last thing to say is when we think about uh, additional seasons, David. And again, this is just season one. So we're seeing how it goes and we'll use information to iterate on whatever season two is. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're also thinking about tiers of scarcity right. for some of these items, right? Mm-hmm. So this first, the Eatscape shirt is a legendary shirt, <laughs> right? Because there's only 50 of them. There's only 50. So what are the other classes? Yeah, so for those, those who are gamers will find themselves very, very familiar with this system. So it's just like finding loot on the ground or loot in a, like a chess box or some, some random loot box or whatever. There's legendary, epic, rare, and commons, right? And so legendary's got 50 items, uh, epic's got 150 items, uh, rare has 250 items, and then common has 500 items. And so as we go through these different seasons, each season will have like a different rarity, right? Like one will be a common item and it'll be like a hoodie that's mostly black or something relatively simple. And then, you know, in the future, there will be future rare items as well that look as dope as this one, right? And so there's different tiers of scarcity because there's different like kind qualities of goods that you can produce with different like values in, in how the graphic looks. Um, and I think that's pretty cool. Absolutely. Yeah. So we will, we will see how this experiment goes. Dave and I are super excited about it. Um, you know, maybe only a couple sell on, on Uniswap, in which case, look, dude, I'm still excited about this. <laughs> you know, we'll see what happens. I know when we, when we originally talked about, you know, the curve having one ETH like equal one shirt, 
Um, that was at a time when ETH was a little uh, less yeah. expensive than it yeah. is today. That was so guys, $200. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. So, so guys, one thing, the last thing I'll say about this is um, th this is kind of one of those things that's not for everybody, you mm -hmm. know, in the bankless nation. This is mm -hmm. sort of, you know, scarce merch. Um, it's expensive, right? These shirts are super high quality. So it gets you out of kind of the, the, the fast fashion motif mm -hmm. of buying cheap shirts from like a Gap or like an H&M or whatever. Um, so there's that, but they're still expensive, right? So um, there's going to be a certain group of people who are really excited about that and drawn into that. Um, and there's others for which we'll, we'll launch like a merch store, a bankless merch store, and you'll have a way to buy other bankless mm -hmm. swag and represent the nation that way. Um, but we hope you enjoy this fun experiment, guys. Yeah. Like just like have fun with it. Mm -hmm. um, that, that's what I, I think my favorite thing about crypto is, is there's something new every single day like to do. Um, it feels like one giant video game anyway, right? Like, or you're like Mario and you're mm -hmm. like here and you're leveling up and you're collecting the coins. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, my parents have no idea what I do, like how I spend my time. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but you guys do because mm -hmm. you're in this space too. David, anything else you want to say about the BAP and about the, Ethers, the Ethscape shirt? Yeah, yeah. So, so you talked a little bit about fast fashion. Uh, I, I don't really want to go into that here, but there is two two posts that's going out. There is the introductory Bankless Seasons post, which talks about uh, fast fashion, what it is, and how uh, scarce apparel can fix that. And so I kind of walk through the narrative there. And at the end of it, it, it forwards you off to Season Zero launch, which is the second post, which is also going out. So there's two separate things to read. Uh, one's kind of like the the explainer of the whole. Um, the whole Bankless Apparel Seasons campaign. And then the other one is specifically Season Zero and all the details to go in with that. So that's in your inboxes So and in the show notes. So check them out. All right. Well, here we go. That was uh, topic one. David, before we get into the other things we want to talk about in State of the Nation, we should talk about our sponsors first. Um, do you want to start with Polymath? Or Polymarket, poly, excuse poly, me? Polymarket, yeah. So yeah. Polymarket, another new sponsor of the State of the Nation. Polymarket is a prediction market platform on Ethereum. Uh, and for those that don't know, prediction markets are where are markets where you can go to to express an opinion about what you think is the most likely outcome of the future, right? And so, you know, sports games, presidential elections, future crypto prices, these are all like viable contenders for being able to express an opinion for what you think will will happen. So like, there's uh, the, the market gives you odds based on like, will Donald Trump or Joe Biden win the presidency? And if, if you think that the odds that the market is offering you from polymarket are off from what is, it should be correct, you can go and express an opinion and take a bet. Uh, and then in the future, as more and more people do this, you can just go to poly.market and look at the bets just for your own information. It's like, okay, uh, the, the, the poly market is uh, gauging that coronavirus will be over in four months. And so I can plan my life based on that because the people that are betting have skin in the game. They, they are going to win or lose money based off of whether they're incorrect or not. So they have a really elegant UX UI. It's pretty simple, pretty easy to understand. If anyone's gone to uh, predictit.org, it's very much like that. Uh, so if you are into uh, betting on the future events of the world, Check out, check, check them out at poly.market. Uh, yeah. And send an email uh, with bankless in the subject line after you make a bet and they will cover all of your gas costs. And so go to poly.market and, you know, check out the very, the available markets there. Tweet out if you make a trade. And then again, uh, email them at hello at poly.market uh, with the subject line bankless to get your gas costs reimbursed. 
they've also got some pretty cool DeFi markets in there, if I remember correctly. But uh, David, dude, you're on a roll. Man, why don't you just take the second sponsor too? Hey, take this home. Let's maybe, do it. Maybe it's your shirt. You're on a roll. <laughs> All right, so our, our, our last sponsor of the State of the Nation is Ampleforth. Ampleforth is a base money experiment on Ethereum. It's a pretty unique token where instead of the price going up and down, the supply goes up and down. And so it's a variable uh, supply asset on Ethereum. And it's, it's, uh, they're marketing themselves as a base money currency, right? An M0. And so I think the, the most interesting thing about Ampleforth is that you can denominate debts in this thing and be comfortable paying it back because the price never goes too far away from a dollar. It's not a stable coin, but it is a trustless M0 to denominate debts in. So you can check them out at ampleforth.org. Uh, they have a cool dashboard where you can learn more about the economics. Um, do, do your own research. I think it's a fantastic experiment, um, but be careful. All right, man. All right, topic two. We want to talk about ETH2, I think. So, all right, so we're... We're in the bull market now. ETH is ETH is you know, charged. It, it charged past that you know uh, three fifty three price. So I got unlocked from jail. It charged it charged past <laughs> some you know pr- pretty um, uh, pr- previously pretty very strong resistances. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Um, and it just charged through it. It hit almost four hundred. And um, it didn't hit four hundred. It hit. It got up to four fifteen for a hot it hit, for that. Flash. Wait, it did. <laughs> Yeah, 415. Oh, I was supposed to tweet something out at 403. Oops. <laughs> you missed that one. <laughs> I missed that one. But, you know, it should sustain past 403 for a yeah, while it before. It didn't so I'll give, yeah, it didn't do that. Okay. So, uh, but we haven't even seen ETH2 yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's coming. Let's right. talk test nets, man. What, mm-hmm. What's going on there? Yeah, the morning of this recording, the Medasha testnet just went live. It sounds like it had a small little hiccup out the door where not very many validators found the testnet, but turns out that solved itself over time. Wait, so, so it's Medasha? It's not Medala? It's not Medala. It's spelled Medala. It's pronounced Medasha. Wow, uh, what language is that? Uh, I think it's Spanish. Uh, okay. It, I th- uh, and I, th- I think there was some game of telephone where we lost the original spelling or original pronunciation. I don't know. But Mariano Conti pronounced it Madasha. And so I trust Oh, he's him. the pro. Yeah, I trust Mariano. Yeah, he knows. He knows. Uh, on, and so, so. <laughs> and so that, that is live right now. And so okay. what this means is, is that if no hiccups happen, if no bugs happen between now and three months from now, and what is it? It's August 4th. So August, September, October, November. Did I do that right? November. Yep. So yep. in November, if after three months of this testnet running, if it's still running without any bugs, then phase zero goes live. Uh, and so you can also check out on our sponsor, Poly.Market, that people are giving a odds, two to one odds, that no bugs happen currently. In Wait, so phase. they're betting two to one odds that ETH will ship this year? ETH, phase, ETH phase zero will ship in November, yeah. In, in 2020, yeah, in 2020, right? Interesting. Right. And yeah. so people, people are pri- starting to price in the success of phase zero, right? And okay. we have the final test net up and running. Uh, and again, if, if everything goes according to plan, which the market is giving two to one odds that it will, uh, phase zero launches this year, by the end of this year. That's weird. I was told ETH2 would never ship. Yeah, like me, ever. I sold that too. I sold that every single day for the last five years. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, w- maybe, maybe some, some people are like, let's believe it. I'll believe it when I see it. So what about folks who've been kind of sleeping on this for a little bit? They're just now kind of waking up to DeFi, Ethereum, mm-hmm. probably price got their attention. Look, everyone's lives are busy, right? So before I was doing crypto full time, right? Like, I, I mean, I had other stuff going on. I wasn't constantly monitoring the status of 
test nets, crypto mm -hmm. test nets, right? Mm -hmm. We should just go a quick recap of uh, the various phases that we're talking about yep. in ETH2 and explain what it is really quick. So I'm going to show a roadmap, David, and maybe you could kind of start by um, explaining what this initial phase is. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So we're, 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 what we're really talking about is not the full ETH2 in its final form. What we're talking about is phase zero. First, first I'll show this one. This is a more simple roadmap, I think. Mm -hmm. And we'll get to the other. Okay, so yeah, we are currently at Ethereum 1.x. Um, that's the Ethereum 1.x. X stands for the fact that we constantly update it. We add new things because both Ethereum 2.0 is progressing, but also Ethereum 1 is also progressing uh, separately. They both have progress. Um, however, for ETH2, the first is phase zero, the beacon chain. That's like the heartbeat of the whole entire system. I kind of like to imagine this thing as like an organism that is growing and it grows from the center out and the heartbeat is at the very center, right? Once the heartbeat is stabilized and predictable and, and, and able to be depended on, then the heartbeat turns into more complex things like you know extremities, arms, legs, whatever, more organs. But first off, phase zero is the heartbeat. That's where uh, the beacon chain gets the entropy, which is really important in the rest of the uh, in the rest of uh, the phases because you need entropy to make things ungameable. Uh, and and then this is also where the deposit contract lives, right? So at some point, when uh, if this test net uh, succeeds without bugs for three months, this deposit contract opens up. So people on the ETH1 chain send their ether to this deposit contract, and it gets redeemed on phase zero beacon chain, which makes it ETH2 ETH, right? Then that's up and running for a while. Then we introduce shard chains, and this is where we start to get scale, right? And so not just do we have the main beacon chain, but we also have the shard chains that are, there's gonna be 64 of them and they all connect back to the beacon chain and then they also cross-link. And so that's where we go from just having one Ethereum blockchain to having 64 of them. So like increasing throughput by like a theoretical 64 um, X. And it's, I think it's actually even more than that, but there's 64 version shards of Ethereum running and then the beacon chain coalesces them into one. And uh, that's, that's great because that's kind of the, the issue of gas today. That's where we solve the gas problems on the L1. But we don't yet have contract execution. Uh, so we can't actually do DeFi things on phase one yet because there needs to be a virtual machine. And that's where phase two comes in. Phase two brings in uh, the eWASM virtual machine. We currently have the EVM, the Ethereum virtual machine running uh, 1.x. And the EVM, run, the EVM runs on Solidity, which is great, but it's also limiting. And that's where eWASM comes in. So we have a secondary virtual machine, which runs on uh, contracting language that is more common. There's more people, more developers out there, like your Google devs, your Amazon devs, eWASM is probably going to be the virtual machine that brings them in. It makes it very easy to build on Ethereum, which is great because Ethereum needs development and Ethereum needs developers. And we all of a sudden have way more developers available to Ethereum. Uh, and so uh, in that phase, that's like the final phase. Um, there's more innovation that goes on, but phase two is, is basically all of Ethereum 2.0. And once that's here, we're done. Yeah, absolutely. Get over the, you know, um, so the Delphi, digital the delphi folks um they're kind of an analyst group and they they talk primarily to sort of um, wall street institution types and they put out a fantastic report on ethereum's birthday last week that will include in the show notes you should absolutely check out but um there's this there's this image in the report that shows uh exactly what you're saying with those phases david and then also kind of timelines too right so what we've been talking about the test nets uh, the the Madasha testnet that we were just talking about 
that's kind of a, a Q4 ETA and that's that phase zero, right? And then we're looking at a, um, you know, a shard uh, chain in, in, you know, the phase one, which is probably 2021-ish. Uh, and then this is really exciting. So this wasn't in Preston's slide that you just showed, but this is a, a phase 1.5. That's kind of in between phase one and phase two. And the reason this is exciting is because what it provides is essentially a migration of the original ETH 1.0 chain that David was just talking about into ETH 2.0. So it moves ETH 1.0 into a shard on Ethereum 2. And what happens there is super important from the perspective of Ether, the asset, because at that point in time, we can get rid of proof of work, right? So proof of work, Ethereum, Ether issuance is about 4% per year right now, right? And that's going to continue. That's even gonna continue into phase one where we uh, institute and start doing proof of proof of stake. There'll be some inflation there, probably around the 1% range. So um, Ether issuance will increase uh, briefly from 4% to about 5%, you know, potentially somewhere around that, that timeline. But when we get to phase 1.5, the entire Ethereum ecosystem, the entire Ethereum nation becomes secure just by proof of stake and issuance drops like off a cliff. So it drops mm -hmm. to about 1%. Um, it's variable based on the amount of people staking and also based on uh, what, what we've talked about a lot, which is EIP 1559, which could actually burn a portion mm -hmm. of the ether based on usage. But so all of this leads to is at the end of this, when you get to one phase 1 1.5, which could be 2022 or so, you've got a very low issuance um, Ethereum that offers higher security than the original ETH main chain. And I think that will enshrine um, Ether, the asset, into a, a store of value, right? The monetary policy will become yeah. there was like, much any, more yeah. widely known. There's no doubt, right? This yeah. has always been the plan and it's finally mm -hmm. being executed. Yeah. Um, you know, in fact, I think there's somewhere in this report where they talk about, where they talk about that. Uh, let me find that in just a minute, but what were you going to say, David? Yeah, so uh, ETH 1.5, the, the phase 1.5 is where um, the ETH, Ethereum L1 chain, the current chain, starts to be secured by Ethereum 2.0. So it's where these chains start to get melded. And so right. that's when we, we are able to strip away miners. And uh, may, maybe there's some small miners left on the chain. But the point is, is that very quickly does the ETH1 chain become verified by the ETH2 chain, by the proof of stake consensus on ETH2, which means we don't know, we no longer need miners, which means we no longer need that extra issuance to pay the miners because security under proof of stake is much more inexpensive. And so both chains will simultaneously be verified and validated by the ETH2 stakers. Yeah, it, absolutely. And the other thing we get in phase 1.5 of course, is a migration of all of DeFi, all of the apps. Uh, and then we also get some pretty large scalability benefits, not the full scalability of ETH2, but in layer two, we can actually start store, storing some additional data. So um, I don't, if, if, if folks listening are familiar with all of the, the layer two tech that's being built out for um, Ethereum today, you know, specifically, there's been a slew of new um, layer two options as Reddit kind of put out a request and said, Hey, ETH community, can you help us out? We're trying to scale on Ethereum. We want to do tokens for all of our subreddits, but we need it to be super fast. How can you do that? And the Ethereum community came back with a ton, like, like 30 different answers to that. 
Um, all good of answers. them have high a potential. Number of them are good, really answers. good answers. Yeah. Yes, and those become ultra powerful when we get to phase 1.5 because we can start storing some of that data in the secure um, ETH2 chain itself. So super exciting. And you know what's exciting to me when I saw this report? Um, I've honestly never seen a report like this, like a report from an analyst who's talking to institutions, get it right. They didn't, they've never gotten it right. Like they've never understood what Ethereum is. This is the first report I've, I've read, which is like, cool, you got it right. And mm -hmm. you're actually explaining this in a way that institutions can, can understand, right? So mm -hmm. they, they talked here about ETH2, uh, proof of stake, what does it bring? Proof of stake is more economically feasible, enhanced monetary policy, minimum necessary issuance is something we talk about often to describe Ethereum's monetary policy. It turns Ether into a staking asset. Well, that's triple point asset. That's what we've been talking about here. Um, it burns a long time. <laughs> it burns transaction fees. Yeah. I mean, the analyst probably reads Bankless. I'm going to say right. And, uh, <laughs> and anyway, these sorts of things that we've been talking about in the Bankless Nation are starting to get translated mm -hmm. into language that, quite honestly, like um, I don't like. I'm never going to write a, a 30 page analyst paper like this, right? right? It's right. just, uh, it's boring to me. But you helped. But, sure. Like, right. So mm -hmm. some of the ideas that we've talked about in the bankless mm -hmm. community form the bottom layer right. of these sorts of analyst papers. Mm -hmm. And these analyst papers are now getting translated into a language that institutions can start understanding. Mm -hmm. And now they can understand ether as an asset. Yep. And they, now they can understand what the hell's going on with uh, Ethereum mm -hmm. 2.0. So yeah. I'm also excited because of that. It took three years of bear market memes to generate those, those memes. And now they're now finally being leveraged, right? Like partly when I see totally. the ether price run to $400, I'm like, oh great. Like the world's finally pricing in the memes we've generated over the last two years. Kind of, right? And you know, people, um, I think people, like you and I, when we talk about memes, we take a very high view of what a meme actually mm -hmm. is. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. Um, it's it's not just a you know a gif somebody puts out on on Twitter that sort of goes viral. Yeah, right? with, it's with a font, it's right? a exactly it's a it's a shared story mm -hmm. that um, uh, social groups start to believe, and it becomes the the forming narrative for what the you know what in this case what the particular asset class is. Right. So um, these memes really are the base layer, right. and this is how those memes get translated into into regular language. Yeah, like, uh, like Bitcoin's meme is a non-sovereign, capped store of value asset. Right. And it becomes that if everyone believes that that's what it is. Right? Yep. And it's, it's going to do a great job at doing that if everyone believes that it will do a great job of doing that. And that's how it becomes reality, right? And so it, with, with like burning Ether in, in EIP-1559 or as a capital asset or as a store of value, it will become that because we all think that it will become that. Right. Absolutely. And it gets tested through the fires. Like good memes get tested, right? So, um, you know, um, it's, it's not enough for a meme to be out there and for a bunch of people to believe it. It has to pass through the fires, right? So an example of Bitcoin passing through the fires, well, it held up relative to other crypto assets in the mm -hmm. bear market as mm -hmm. sort of a, a reserve asset. So it's yep. sort of like we passed through the fire. But there was a time where people um, thought that Bitcoin was going to be peer-to-peer -peer cash, right. like a, a money system, a payment type layer mm -hmm. system. And that was the meme, right? Mm -hmm. I, I can send you Bitcoin. No one can stop me, uh, mm -hmm. David, peer-to-peer -peer basis. Your coffee, yeah. Yeah, it decentralized PayPal. Um, that was a meme back in 2013, right? Mm -hmm. Pay for my coffee in Starbucks. Mm -hmm. uh, it didn't pass through the fire. Right. And so the meme actually died. So right. um, these memes actually get verified 
They're by, based on fundamentals, right? They're based on fundamentals because yeah. they have to pass through those, those fires. And yeah. in the same way that like speculation on something is speculation on its fundamentals. You don't get speculation for speculation's sake. Speculation yes. is built on something and memes are built on something in the same way. Absolutely. All right, David, last topic. Um, this is, this is kind of a fun one. So, um, we've switched into full bull mode, right? Mm -hmm. So I wrote a post about this on Monday. The entire ecosystem has, yeah. The entire ecosystem, the, the, the switch has been flipped. We're in bull mode, bull mode now, bull market now mm -hmm. for crypto. Uh, Eric Voorhees called it even in our, you know, podcast Monday, mm -hmm. Joey Krug called it the week before Chris Berninski hinted called at it. All of before that, before they, he was the first one in my, in my mind. Absolutely. So, yeah. uh, like it's not just us saying this, we're, we're kind of reaching consensus and price is kind of showing you breaking through these, right. these walls mm -hmm. and showing you bull market. So bull market meme is on bull market meme is on. So how do we get into a bull market mentality? And like, what is that? Because there's a bear market mentality mm -hmm. that you need to have, right. And under, understand and adjust for, but there's also like a bull market mentality. And I've seen people lose more in the bull market, a lot more in a bull market than in a bear market. Like, Bull markets can be way more dangerous than bear markets. Mm -hmm. uh, can you talk right. about what the bull market mentality is and how, yeah. how we should be thinking about this? Yeah, and, and markets are a reflection of the participants participating in them, right? And so when we say it's a bull market, what we're really saying is that everyone who's participating in price discovery around Ether, price discovery around Bitcoin has a bull market mentality because it's the mentality that creates the bull market, not the other way around, right? So it's the mentality that comes first. And like one of the core characteristics that differentiates a bear market from a bull market is that like in a bull market, good news moves the price. In a bear market, good news doesn't move anything. It's depressed. <laughs> like people are depressed. That's yeah. the, the, literally the word depression means that like good news doesn't mean anything to you. In yeah. a bull market, good news doesn't only mean something, but it probably means more than what it actually means, right? In, in bull markets, good news really moves the price. And that's because it's reflected in our mentality. And so everyone who's participating in price discovery, which means you are buying or selling or trading anything, the, your mentality is shifted. You are no longer a bear market mentality. You are now a bull market mentality. And you need to account for this because who you are changes in a bull market. Your personality changes based on the mentality that you have. And so there's a couple of things that's like, it's really important to remember as we go through this bull market, because like the, the biggest thing that is going to cost you is you got too greedy, right? The biggest thing that is going to cost you is your hubris, right? You need to be modest. You need to be humble and you need to accept that you're not going to win all the game, all the gains, but you, in order to, if you, and if you were to chase all of the gains and trying to get the maximum amount of gains possible, that's how you lose everything, right? That's how you lose everything. And I'm speaking in, in general terms, but like there's, there's a couple of lessons that I learned uh, that I want to share and, and uh, starting from last cycle, right? And I feel like I'm coming full circle to like where I started in crypto, where I came in in after the first major run up in 2017. So Ether went from like $50 to $400 back to $170 and then it floated up to $300. That's what brought me in. And that was like relatively late into the hype cycle, right? Like ICO, the ICO boom was already in full mania. And so you know, and so I, I buy Ether, I start investing in tokens, all that happens. And then my, my block folio number goes up and up and up. And I think like, I'm a fucking genius. It, David, when you bought those tokens, mm -hmm. like do, how much did you know at that point in time? So, I mean, so little, so little, so little. 
Like I couldn't have told you anything about the qualities of ether as an asset that I know today, zero things. <laughs> and, but also the ecosystem didn't know them, but like, I For sure. I, I had, I, I was, I was months old when it comes to the crypto world. So you're like, price is going up. This thing is hot. I don't fully know what it is, mm-hmm. but like, I'm, I'm playing the game. I'm playing the game. I'm in the game. I know there's something here mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm putting my chips on this mm-hmm. and I'm risking it. Right. Like okay. I'm, I'm headed west. These are my chips. I don't exactly know what I'm doing, but I'll figure it out right. once I start investing. Yeah, okay, exactly. it didn't it. take me a few months to figure it out. It took me like three years and counting. Like I'm still figuring it out. I'm still okay. figuring it out. All right. So, However, so then what happened? I, so, yeah, so I'm watching my block folio go up and up and up. And like yep. for a kid that was previously a broke student trying to get into physical therapy school, like I made more money than I ever thought that I would at that age, right? And yeah. like in hindsight, it wasn't, it wasn't all that much. But at the time, it, like each person has their own number as to what means to them. And my mistake was that I started spending more without paying off my credit card, right? That right, was so, my so big mistake. You saw those numbers going up in Blockfolio and you're like, yeah. net worth going up. That net means going up. I am richer so I can spend more each exactly. month. Exactly. Which okay. is a true statement if you sell. You don't get <laughs> to spend more without selling your profits. If you are making yeah. profits and then you are going to Amazon and buying a boat, like you need to sell because that's where you're getting the money to fund your endeavors, right? And so you don't get to have both. You don't get to have number go up and also I buy more things. Like you need to choose one. Like you, you okay, need- so are you saying like basically you can't treat those Blockfolio numbers as real numbers? Like right. they're not real. They're not real. It's just not, like ignore your feelings, ignore mm-hmm. the euphoria. Mm-hmm. You're gonna be checking price mm-hmm. like 20 times a day maybe, but you mm-hmm. have to ignore that. You're not any ignore. wealthier until you right. sell. Is that what you're selling? Yeah. Is you that what you're saying? You don't get to spend more until that dollar shows that dollar sign shows up in your bank account. Like that until that moment, you didn't have any more money than you did previously. It doesn't matter what your blockfolio says. Okay. So here's another mistake I feel like mm-hmm. people make in the in the bull market. That's a huge mm-hmm. one. I'm mm-hmm. so glad you said that. Mm-hmm. So another mistake is sometimes they sell too early. Yeah. To be honest. Yeah. Right. So mm-hmm. so people are like, Oh my God, ETH just went from 200 to 400. Like I'm out. <laughs> D- DeFi is in a bubble. This is like, I'm calling the top and they call the top. And, th- and then, you know, a week or two later, they're right. Cause ETH drops down to, you know, mm-hmm. 300. And they're like, see, I told you. Right. And it's on the, it's on the upside in the bull market that so many people miss out on right. like all of the gains, all of the opportunity costs that could have been mm-hmm. theirs because they, they also sold too early. So how mm-hmm. do you prevent that? So you're saying, right. you know, step one is don't live like it's real money. Mm-hmm. Just keep your, keep your standard of living the same as if it doesn't even exist right. until, until you sell. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but also, like, how do you prevent not selling before like, this whole thing has been realized, the full cycle plays out? Right. And, and this, is, this is really, really hard, right? Because this partly involves timing the market. Um, but there are signals if you are really looking, paying attention to them and you're doing your research as to how like market cycles work, there are signals that you can tap into, but again, it's all subjectivity at the end of the day. And what also makes this really hard is that every time a token pumps, it looks exactly like the last time it just pumped. Right. And so ether goes from 50 to 300. Then it goes from 100 to 450. Then it goes from like 300 up to 700. Then it goes from like 500 where it dropped up to like 900. Then it goes from 900 to 1400. Turns out 1400 was the last time that it pumped. But
but it, it could did, have been it, any if of you the were other there time. it didn't feel like that it right? didn't feel like it it you yeah. it, like when i saw fourteen hundred dollar ether i was thinking two thousand dollar ether like the next week right that's how psychology works that's, that's how, how your brain works. always works that's how it works and so like you don't know the all pumps look exactly the same and you don't know which one's the last one because this is a game at the end of the day a mania, a bull market, a bubble is a game of musical chairs, right? And so at some point the music stops and it looks like all the other times that it pumped, but you just don't know, right? And so this is fun because you get to play <laughs> musical chairs. Like you get to, and it's a game of chicken. It's like a game of how long can you go before you sell? And if you sell too late, you lose. And so at some point in time, you have to, uh, you don't really want to play the market. Like don't it, like ether goes from like 200 to 400 and then you short it and it goes from 400 down to 320. And then you're like, I'm a genius. And then it runs up to $600 and you're out and then you're bitter. And then you never get back in. You lost all your money. Well, there's this bear market or bull market. Like you don't want to be that guy. However, you also don't want to be the guy that you know, like sells too late. Right. And so you have to answer to yourself. Like does the money that I've just made in this bull market meaningfully impact my life? If I sell right now, how much better is my life? Do I, do I pay off my credit card, pay off my mortgage, pay off my car, whatever? Like I leave the, the weight of debt. If you have the option to like remove all debt from your life at the middle of this cycle, that do might it. be a good time for you yeah. to get. Like it, yeah. and, it, and I'm sorry if that cuts off, you know, 2X, 3X, 4X gains after that. But at the same time, you locked in a meaningful life change and you're never going to forget it. And you're always going to thank yourself that you did that. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's a great point. So I, you know, I think there are a couple strategies that that you know people can use. So we we talked about dollar cost averaging into crypto, right? We just take you got a paycheck, you take a slice of that paycheck, and like this is allocated to crypto class. Um, you can also dollar cost average out. So you do the same thing, except in reverse. And you can do that in two ways. You could do that one on a time horizon. You say, okay, bull market mode. Every month, I'm gonna sell a little bit, right? Percentage out. I'm gonna take money off the table. Um, you can also, some, some people I've seen, even very sophisticated investors do the same thing. It's not a, you know, it's not a play just for, you know, retail and, you know, simpletons. Sophisticated investors do this where, you know, uh, every time ETH doubles, I sell a portion. Every time ETH doubles, I sell 10%. Make that your rule. Um, another rule you can have for yourself going in. Okay, so going into this, you need to have your rules. You need to have your game plan established, like now. Because as David was saying, in the moment, you're not going to, like, the euphoria is going to take over. And when you see a thousand, you're going to be like 10,000 on the table. Yeah, right. right. Mm -hmm. And like, you're going to know that in your heart. Right. Um, and if, don't you let make, if you make rules while ether is like going from 5,000 to $10,000, they're going to be different rules than if you had made them at the very Genesis when you were fucking sober. Yes. <laughs> yes. Bull drunk, I guess is maybe the term. Um, yeah. So, so that's what you have to do is establish those rules getting in another, another rule you could establish is, once it hits this amount, right, I'm going to sell. I'm going to sell some portion. Um, but I also want to frame this, okay? So um, we started Bankless. The entire principle of what this is uh, in the Bankless movement, in the Bankless nation, is at some point, if we're right, here's the thing. You don't have to sell, okay? Now, I want you to park that, right? So everything that David just said about, look, if you got credit card debt, if you got student loans, you make a meaningful amount, like, and things are going crazy, uh, you know, don't lean in. Everything that David said is true, right? But the thesis is also true that like we think the bankless thesis, the bankless belief is over time, you, you want to start thinking about your denomination for what wealth is, right? Right now, everyone's denomination for wealth 
basically is US dollar denominated, you know, a million dollars, right? US dollar denominated uh, because we pay for things in US dollars. But when you start to get into the bankless world, your, your bottom like denominator starts to change. And you're like, well, is it, what if US dollars actually isn't the reserve currency in this bankless country? But what if, what if US dollars uh, weakens as a reserve currency for the world? And then what you need to find is what are the reserve currencies in this parallel universe that we call crypto, right? And that's really been the thesis of the bankless program from, from day one is you want to find what the crypto monies are mm-hmm. and you want to build into what the crypto monies are. And the crypto monies in, um, you know, in crypto are very clearly Ether and Bitcoin. At least it's clear to me. Some people don't believe the first. Makes sense they, to me. A lot of people believe the second. They don't believe the first. And look, it's possible some other contender could rise up the ranks and, and be a crypto money. We're not, we're, I don't think we're close to that yet. So the way I think about these bull markets is not just in um, appreciation of US dollars, right? That's just one denominator, but that's not the bankless nation denominator. The bankless nation denominator is Ether and Bitcoin, mm-hmm. right? Is that increasing? Because that might be long-term wealth over time. And when you start thinking about these things in cycles, like once you've done a couple cycles, like Eric Voorhees, 2011, that's all, how he all thinks. All the cycles? Oh, yeah. I'm going to tell you, he thinks like he thinks in decades now. Right. And he's like, what do I care about US dollars? I'm only taking US dollars out that I need to spend immediately. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I'm not speaking for Eric here, but I'm pretty sure this is how he thinks. Like or majority like of my him, wealth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I'm going to keep in crypto native reserve currency assets that are going to Bankless continue assets. to appreciate. Yeah, Bankless over assets. over these cycles. So think about your denominators. Your denominators should be crypto money. Even if you're doing things with like DeFi tokens, these other things, um, and doing narrative plays and that sort of thing, mm-hmm. um, come back to what's your denominator? Is it US dollars? Is it also these reserve currencies? That's how you start to, to make long-term bets in this space and last through these cycles. Yeah. Sorry, that's a helicopter. Uh, so yeah, DeFi tokens are not going to trade against dollars. Like, uh, like SNX, the synthetics network token, Yiffy, like the Yiffy token, their main trading pair is Ether, right? And so they're going to appreciate or depreciate versus Ether, not versus US dollar. Ether, and all these things are going to appreciate versus or depreciate versus the US dollar, but they trade against Ether. Trade, like Ether is the base currency. And so, you know, um, I don't have too much evidence to support this, but like when, especially Yiffy, which 98% of all trading volume is between Yiffy and Ether, or excuse me, it's Wifey, Wifey and Ether. Uh, when Ether goes up, Wifey will also go up. When, we, when Ether goes down, Wifey will also go down because it's denominated in Ether. And more and more of these things, I think, are just going to choose. Like we saw this in 2017. Like, say what, like Bitcoiners, maybe this is contentious. Say what you will, but the 2017 ICO, ICO mania, the 2017 bull market, was because of Ethereum, because of the ICO mania, and it, and Ether, the asset, went through the roof because everyone had to buy Ether because the ICOs were denominated in ETH. DeFi tokens are the same thing. You know, save for Link, which I think gets the majority of its volume from U.S. dollar. Like DeFi tokens, the mania that we've seen already, mania, quote unquote, this coming out of depression uh, is denominated in in Ether, right? And so if you are trading your DeFi tokens, denominating in dollars might be a mistake. Like you might need to be uh, denominating in the bankless monies, which is our Ether and Bitcoin. Yeah, I've I've seen a lot of the people who are are saying things like um, the uh, DeFi could moon without Ether have been strangely silent over the past week and a half. Weird. Right? <laughs> so some of these things, look guys, some of these things, 
you know, you're just making bets, right? You, you're thinking through the fundamentals and you're making bets. And I, anyone could point to any time horizon or data point and say, yo, David, what you said is a lie because here's wifey going up and ether's going down, right? Mm. So what you said is not true, right? And they're looking at a two-week time horizon or something. Mm -hmm. Zoom out, guys. Yep. That, I think, is the last maybe piece of advice we have for the bull market mentality is you have to zoom out and look at the long run. And, you know, a couple weeks, a couple months, even sometimes, depending on the cycle you're in, a couple years of data yep. doesn't tell you much. You got to zoom out. This is a decades long mm -hmm. um, journey and process. Lifetime long. Lifetime long. Lifetime long. And uh, think, think about it in those terms of time horizons. And uh, I think you'll do pretty well in this space. Everybody who has had that long-term outlook um, has better. done really well. Does has better. done really well, right? Yeah. And mm -hmm. it's just, it's about, David was said it earlier, it's about um, staying in the game, right? Mm -hmm. Marathon, not a sprint. The thing you don't want to do is do stupid stuff like, you know, go in debt, take margin, that sort of thing, and um, face the prospect of like getting totally destroyed right. if there's a sudden crash because that eliminates you from the table. Staying in the game. Stay in the game. Stay you know, the stack game. the reserve currency assets, stay in the game. Maybe stack some BAPs while you're at it, right? Stack some BAPs. <laughs> BAPs. <laughs> All right, David. I think that's, uh, that's probably it for the show. That's it from us. Yeah. Yeah, that's it for me, sir. All right, so um, action items. We uh, will put a link in here to the Uniswap exchange and there'll also be a link to the post that explains what we're doing with these Etherscape shirts. You can pick one up and, uh, and be wearing it like David and I are today. Um, this has been State of the Nation, episode eight. Thank you so much for hanging with us.